We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go. Episode 744 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, January 19th, 2024. It is Ben Johnson Day for the Commanders. Uh, Well, sort of. Uh, The Commanders on Friday reportedly have their virtual interview with the man who I believe is their top target for their head coaching job, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Uh, In-person interviews with head coaching candidates cannot start until the conclusion of divisional round playoff games this Sunday, January 21st. And so presumably, Commanders managing partner Josh Harris and general manager Adam Peters, and perhaps members of the Josh Harris Advisory Committee on Friday will meet with Ben Johnson virtually. Uh, Hopefully the Zoom time, the Google Meet time does not run out. Do you think that Josh has bought the upgraded version of Zoom to where he doesn't have to worry about that 40-minute time limit? I'm guessing yes. Uh, Now, Ben Johnson's Lions are home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this Sunday afternoon at three in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Johnson did a press conference on Thursday. He got asked if he knows Adam Peters. This was Johnson's answer. I, I know him just just very briefly. Uh, I've heard nothing but fantastic things about people that have worked with him directly or have, have met him uh, over the course of scouting on the road. So um, look forward to, to meeting him and, and talking more. Ben Johnson, the number one head coaching candidate this NFL offseason, perhaps the next head coach of the Commanders. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, someone who the Commanders are not scheduled to interview for their head coaching job, at least as far as we know, is Mike Vrabel, who was fired as Tennessee Titans head coach on January 9th. And yet, Mike Vrabel this week has come up a good bit regarding the commander's head coaching vacancy. This is based off something that Adam Peters said at his introductory press conference on Tuesday afternoon. This also is based off a connection between Peters and Vrabel. Personally, I want Ben Johnson as the commander's next head coach, but would Mike Vrabel 
makes sense. Is he, in fact, in play for the Commanders? Next segment, a special guest, longtime Titans insider Paul Kaharski of paulkaharski.com. If you want intel on the Titans, you talk to Paul Kaharski. He has covered the Titans for the Tennessean and ESPN. He has worked as a sports radio host for 104.5 The Zone in Tennessee. And Paul's going to talk to us about Mike Vrabel, including why the Titans fired him, why Paul believes that the Titans made the wrong call in firing Vrabel, uh, why Vrabel has such a great reputation as a leader and as a culture setter, whether Vrabel is too antiquated with his offensive philosophy and more. A lot of conversation on social media about the commanders and Mike Vrabel. Let's get into this. Paul Kaharski, next segment on Mike Vrabel as a potential fit for the commanders. Vrabel, by the way, on Thursday interviewed for the Los Angeles Chargers head coaching job. Also on the show, the Capitals, they beat the St. Louis Blues 5-2 at Capital One Arena on Thursday night as winger Alex Ovechkin was back. He returned from a three-game absence caused by a lower body injury, although he was on the second line as opposed to the top line. And top line right wing TJ Oshie, he had a hat trick. A really nice win for the Caps. Uh, and I'll talk Wizards. Uh, now, they lost at the New York Knicks 113-109 on Thursday night, despite a terrific game from Marvin Bagley III in his Wizards debut, and despite Tyus Jones having a whopping 15 assists versus one turnover. Uh, before we get to some feedback, my sincerest apologies for what happened with Thursday's show, episode 743. The show was unable to be played or downloaded until late Thursday morning. Uh, this was a technical problem. I will not bore you with every detail, uh, but know that however annoyed and or frustrated and or angry you were, I was even more annoyed and frustrated and angry. Uh, I finished the show at 4 a.m. on Thursday. I published the show, and then I did, as I always do, I waited for the show to show up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that I knew that everything was fine. Well, the show did show up, but I couldn't play it. I couldn't download it. And then I got with the platform with which I published the show, this company called Megaphone, and Megaphone couldn't figure out what was happening. And then I got with the company that I work with in doing the show, Blue Wire, and Blue Wire said that the problem was this super technical thing. Uh, bottom line, look, I hate that this happened. I'm very sorry that this happened. I take pride in putting out an episode of this podcast each weekday morning by the 5 a.m. hour because this is the podcast that wakes up with you. This is the podcast that follows Washington, D.C. area sports so that you don't have to. But Monday through Friday, each episode out by the 5 a.m. hour. So what happened on Thursday was maddening, and the fact that I myself could not do anything about it <laughs> was even more maddening. So again, my apologies. Uh, and if you missed Thursday's show, definitely check it out. I spoke with Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock, who gave us film breakdown, compare and contrast analysis of Commander's head coaching candidates. We got into Ben Johnson versus Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. We got into Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris versus Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. 
gmail.com. I have received feedback to something that we talked about on Thursday's show, episode 743, the words of fired Commander's head coach Ron Rivera. We on Wednesday afternoon via a piece on ESPN.com got Ron opening up about multiple regrets that he has from his time as Washington head coach. Ron said that he regrets the coach-centric approach and that he regrets talking up quarterback Sam Howell so much. Email from Sean. Subject, King change the narrative. (laughs) Right, Sean. I was basking in the afterglow of my team breaking the curse by hiring the person who is perceived as the number one seed of hires for football ops, as well as enjoying the thought of how we soon should have one of the better head coaching options in the NFL, and that the 180 turnabout back to relevancy was soon approaching. And then that ex-girlfriend called. That ghost of Redskins slash Washington football team slash commander's past reared the ghost's head. Al, I respect Ron for the person he is, but I need his coaching persona to disappear. How are you no longer the head coach of this team, and yet you still are trying to control the narrative that you wrote yourself several times. <laughs> Nobody told Ron to name Sam Howell the 2023 starter the week after the 2022 season ended, but Mr. Change the Narrative had to wash the Carson Wentz stench off, so Ron figured that he would wave the bright light and jingle the keys <laughs> in front of this fan base and make everyone forget that he stood at the podium and pounded it for Carson in Chicago 2022. And now Ron has regrets about having had full football operations control because it kept him from coaching. Well, Mr. Change the Narrative, I'm thankful for your decisions. Your legacy may indeed be that you left us with a franchise quarterback, one that comes from the number two overall draft pick that your ineptness earned us. (laughs) Always enjoy the podcast, Al. Keep up the great work. Uh, Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. Email from Gene in Manassas, Virginia. Writes, Gene, looking back on Ron this season, I have a question for you. Wouldn't it have made more sense to have spent the team's salary cap space last offseason to shore up the offensive line and linebackers? And wouldn't it have made more sense to go to Jacoby Brissett sooner if Ron's job depended on the number of wins? Did Dan Snyder prevent Ron from spending more money last offseason. Thank you for the email, Gene. Well, I personally did not think that Ron Rivera remaining as commander's head coach depended on how many wins that he had this season. Now, more wins would have helped, no doubt. But whether Josh Harris fired Ron, to me, was always much more about whether Josh viewed Ron as the head coach who Josh wanted moving forward, more than what Ron's record for this season was. Uh, Josh Harris is big on analytics. He's big on forward and progressive and modern thinking. The commanders could have gone nine and eight in the 2023 regular season with Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback. And Josh still could have fired Ron because Ron didn't fit what Josh is looking for in a head coach. And so what I think Ron was banking on to save his job or at least make himself look better was Sam Howell. So then Ron could say, hey, look what I did. I found us a good young quarterback. And that might suggest to Josh that Ron was viable as a head coach moving forward. But 
What we ended up getting with the Commanders this season was a double whammy. The record was bad, and Sam ended up being bad. He was doing pretty well for a while, but things fell apart big time. Uh, I do think that Dan Snyder selling the team this past offseason may have led to limitations on what Ron Rivera was able to do last offseason, but free agency is no guarantee. Spending more last offseason might have led to the exact same results that we got this season, especially considering this. How do we know that Ron would have signed the right guys? Like, given his player personnel track record as Washington head coach, what makes you so sure <laughs> that Ron, with no spending constraints last offseason, would have made all of these great signings last offseason? Well, an operation with a great track record is Catering by Uptown. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service if you are planning a party, a wedding, whatever, and you need a good catering service, go with Catering by Uptown and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Catering by Uptown, it is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you're having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering, or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit CateringByUptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. And say hello to Michael Pereira and the rest of the Catering by Uptown family. The Pereiras are great and knowledgeable Commanders fans and will do a tremendous job for you. Visit CateringByUptown.com. That's CateringByUptown.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hey, if you enjoy Commander's Conversation, always really good Commander's Conversation at bgobsession.com. Placate your burgundy and gold obsession at bgobsession.com. BG Obsession, or BGO, has been the home of the most knowledgeable, friendly, and passionate Washington fans on the web since 2009. BGO is a special place at which you can join your fellow fans for some smart football discussion, great contests, game day chats, and even lifelong friendship. So what are you waiting for? Visit and join BGO at bgobsession.com, home to your burgundy and gold obsession. Uh, The commanders cannot begin in-person interviews of head coaching candidates until the conclusion of divisional round playoff games this Sunday, January 21st. But the team has been conducting virtual interviews of head coaching candidates. The commanders on Thursday reportedly were to have interviewed Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris and Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. And the commanders on Friday reportedly will interview perhaps their number one target in this head coaching search, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. All of these interviews are including new commanders, general manager Adam Peters, the hiring of whom was officially announced by the team on Monday evening. It was on Tuesday afternoon that we had the Adam Peters introductory press conference as commander's GM, and he said the following about what he's looking for in the commander's next head coach. Take a listen. We're looking for the best leader for this team, for the Washington Commanders. And so uh, we we have set criteria that we're going to have it be aligned in that vision. And it's not going to be in a box. It's not going to be offense. It's not going to be defense. It's going to be the best leader for this organization. All right. So the theme of leadership. And that prompted a whole lot of people to wonder if former Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel might be on Adam Peters' head coaching radar. Heck, NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB on X on Tuesday afternoon posted a gif of Mike Vrabel in quote posting a post about Adam Peters having emphasized leadership as the main quality for the commander's next head coach. You can always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Thomas Al. You need to get in Adam Peters' ear. Bobby Slowick has been an offensive coordinator for just one season. Ben Johnson for just two seasons. I would rather have a more proven commodity. I want Mike Vrabel. He's a proven head coach with a strong record. He'll put an end to the missed tackles and missed sacks. He'll find the right offensive coordinator. So call Adam Peters. Actually, no, go right to the top. Call Josh Harris. Uh, Thank you for the email, Thomas. Is the commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, a fan of Mike Rabel. Uh, It was on January 9th that Tennessee Titans controlling owner Amy Adams Strunk fired Mike Rabel as Titans head coach. He was the Titans head coach for six seasons, 2018 through 2023. His regular season record as Titans head coach was 54 and 45, although just 13 and 21 over the last two regular seasons. He is very well thought of as a leader, and he has history with Adam Peters. Peters worked in the scouting department of the New England Patriots for the 2003 through 2008 seasons. Mike Vrabel was a linebacker for the Pats for the 2001 through 2008 seasons. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the podcast a man who knows the Titans as well as anyone, longtime Titans insider Paul Kaharski 
of paulkaharski.com. You can follow Paul on X at Paul Kaharski NFL. Paul, it's great to have you back on the podcast. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming back on. Let's begin with a simple question, perhaps a complicated answer, but why did the Titans fire Mike Rabel? Well, um, I think it became, in their eyes, it became difficult to deal with um, because uh, he, he's not good at losing. Um, he's been a winner his entire life. The roster got really bad. And just 13 months ago, they fired the guy who was the primary reason the roster got really bad, John Robinson. Um, 13 months is a short amount of time to dig out of the roster having gotten really bad with a ton of failed draft picks in the top 100 and some really bad free agent uh, decisions. And so Vrabel, you know, we don't know to what degree he had a hand in that, but John Robinson was the final, uh, you know, had had ultimate say on personnel decisions. And so um, I think Mike was, was upset with, uh, with the roster I don't think he loved the, the hire that they made to replace um, John Robinson in Rand Carthon. And I don't think he was playing patty cakes necessarily the way that they envisioned as their buzzword became collaboration. Um, and he was much more about, you know, locker room collaboration and, and getting guys to pull the same way. I think they still played hard for him. They were just outmanned. And uh, I personally, I think it was a mistake not not to stick with a guy who's proven that he could win with a lesser roster, just not this much of a lesser roster. So you didn't agree with the Titans firing Mike Vrabel. Were you surprised by the Titans firing Mike Vrabel? I was, though I was less surprised, um, that, you know, as a. Uh, a month before the season was over, I would have said no way. Uh, you know, in that last month, there were some indications that things might have been getting away from him. Amy Adams Strunk, the owner, wasn't on the field pre-game the last two games. Uh, she usually seems to take delight in being down there and schmoozing uh, with her GM, with her head coach, with uh, with Booster. Uh, boosters with sponsors and and the like um so there seemed to be some indications of uh discontent with with how things were going there um and there there were increasing reports um that that maybe uh you know things were going on behind the scenes and so it seemed less and less certain i still thought that there would be a sit down and maybe a come to jesus meeting where where she tried to navigate a better relationship between he and Carthon, um, <clears throat> which I'm not convinced wouldn't have been the, the better way to go. Um, but also, you know, uh, Adam, I, I liked Adam Peters a lot. He was briefly a candidate for the Titans before they hired Carthon. He took himself out of the running. Um, but when John Robinson, and, and you go back to 2018 when the Titans hired um, Vrabel, which was a very small field. Steve Wilkes uh, was interviewed. Um, Matt LaFleur, who became the offensive coordinator, and Mike Vrabel. And they kind of stabbed Mike Malarkey in the back in, a, in an un, 
they could have they could have made a much better exit for him. He took him back to the playoffs. He, he kind of topped out as to what he was, Mike Malarkey, and I think it was right to make a change then. But John Robinson said the number one thing he was looking for was leader of men. Uh, when they hired Mike Vrabel, who seemed like the predestined candidate at that time. So so uh, I, I see why Albert Breer uh, did what he did there. Yeah, leadership. Uh, it is abstract. It means different things to different people. It can be very cliche. But leadership obviously exists. What can you tell us about the leadership of Mike Vrabel? Well, I know a lot of these young, uh, and I expect the Titans to hopefully hire one of them, uh, one of these younger offensive gurus who relate to players uh, in, in a certain youthful way. Vrabel, you know, in his, in his 40s, not as young, but played, you know, talked to guys about having been in all of their seats, you know, when he, when he joined the Steelers. He, he wasn't a starter during his time there. He had to fight to find ways to get on the field. Um, and then he got to, to New England and he was an important, uh, leader and key, key player on, on championship teams. And then he got traded, you know, and was holding on for the end of his career in Kansas city. So he feels like he could relate to guys on almost every level or every stage of their career. Um, and key guys just respected him, uh, you know, on such a deep, deep level. You see Taylor Lewan and Will Compton, who have the Bussin' with the Boys show now, who were just absolutely shocked by the move. Uh, Derek Henry, who was a guest of theirs, uh, was, was too. Ben Jones, who was a veteran center, um, had, you know, almost a father-son connection, though the, the age gap wasn't the same. Um, now there were a lot of guys who didn't mesh with Mike Vrabel and he was okay with that because he felt like he didn't meet the, they didn't meet the cultural standard. Um, and, and so some people would say, well, he made it too difficult. And Josh Reynolds, you know, as an example, went to Detroit and, and played a lot better. But in Tennessee, when they, when they brought in Julio Jones, uh, Josh Reynolds kind of quit on them and, and Mike Vrabel's fine saying, you're not for us, you know? be gone um i i I thought he built a a hell of a culture on a team that was never that talented i mean that shaped an offense wisely around ryan Tannehill and his strengths who played better than he got credit for for two and a half years um but was very derrick henry centric and, and never really had a great deal of of talent pretty good defense at the peak um, but offensively, you know, had a good offensive line for Derrick Henry to run for 2,000 yards that gradually decayed. Uh, but I think in the right situation with the right general manager, given the right um, amount of say and personnel, I, I think Mike Vrabel is going to have a very good second act. <clears throat> I'm getting some heat on Twitter because I said I thought people would jump at the chance to hire Mike Vrabel. But I think it's a little early to say that isn't happening. Uh, you know, we haven't heard really from Seattle. We haven't heard really from Washington. Uh, Atlanta looks like it's going to be Belichick. But if that falls apart, I think Brable would be uh, a candidate there. Um, so I, I think there's still a chance for him in this uh, in this cycle. And uh, and I think he'd, 
he'd be a good get. And if not this year, um, you know, I think it refreshed. He'd be a guy that'd be popular next year. A concern that I, and I'm guessing other Commanders fans would have with Mike Vrabel as a team's head coach, is that he's old school with his offensive philosophy. The best Titans teams under Mike Vrabel were run-heavy, win-with-defense type teams. Now, I acknowledge that that was perhaps Vrabel simply playing to the team's strengths, but what's your take on the perceived old-school nature of how Vrabel does offense? Well, he did say something early this year that uh, that didn't get enough attention about having arrived and inherited a roster where the best player was Derrick Henry. And, uh, you know, he did the smart thing with uh, with the best with the best player. I do believe he believes in some old school principles in terms of of running the ball and playing defense. But even here, like with Will Levis as his new quarterback, Levis is a big play guy, big arm guy. If Will Levis threw three 50 yard touchdowns. Uh, then you're going to generally ratchet it down, uh, uh, you know, play four minute offense and, and, and defense. And so there's value in the run game there. I'm very curious, uh, given a different kind of roster with different strengths, uh, a different quarterback, um, you know, receivers who can get downfield, what he'd look like, but one of his weaknesses was was with the offensive coordinator. You know, you know, Lafleur had for a year, and they didn't really hit it off and have a lot of talent. And Lafleur was gone. Arthur Smith did did great work in his two years, and they got him a job. The problem with having any defensive head coach is he's going to have to find an offensive coordinator who's good. And if he finds an offensive coordinator who's good, he's going to get hired as a head coach. And then you're going to have to find another offensive coordinator who's good. You're going to have to uh, constantly kind of regenerate that position. Vrabel tried to do it from within. He had some success, but he had some some big failures there. You know, Aaron Glenn is rumored to be one of the guys here in Nashville who, who's uh, looking good early. And, and people here are saying, no, you got to be stay away from getting yourself back in that position. Um, and that's why people want an offensive coach here so so badly. So that that would be one of the problems that comes with Mike Vrabel. And he was stubborn uh, with assistance. He thought that, you know, I'll bring in guys I like and teach them. And when the time comes that my tight end coach leaves, my assistant tight end coach will have been taught and be in position to become the tight end coach, even though the public is going to see good tight end coaches out there. Tight end coach may be a bad example, but, you know, an offensive line coach, he hired the assistant of the guy he fired when they had a terrible offensive line this year where there were better options out there. And I think that was part of his downfall. Uh, and and I, I would hope in his second go round he would be a little bit more, uh, aggressive and assertive about people outside his circle who could help him on a coaching staff. Much more with Paul Kaharski on Mike Vrabel in moments. The Titans over Vrabel's first four regular seasons as the team's head coach 2018 through 2021 went 41 and 24. That's great. Almost as great as the law firm of Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace fights for victims like no other law firm does. Chris Nace, Matt Nace, and the rest of the team do excellent work if you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged, but aren't sure, call 
Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace provides passionate advocacy on behalf of injury victims designed to help them and their families move forward after the most difficult of times. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. In fact, Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firm's 2024 edition. But how about this? Two verdicts versus Merrill Dow totaling $132 million. Yes, Paulson and Nace has taken on Big Pharma and won. Uh, Clifton versus Georgetown University Hospital, a $50 million verdict for a young mother injured during childbirth. Bradley versus the United States of America. Paulson and Nace win a case for which the United States government had to pay nearly $1.8 million. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. More now with longtime Titans insider Paul Koharski of paulkoharski.com on former Titans head coach Mike Vrabel as a potential head coaching candidate for the Commanders. Uh, how would you evaluate Vrabel as an in-game tactician, clock management, timeout management, things of that nature? Really good. Uh, really good with clock management, time management, um, uh, Makes pretty good two point, uh, you know, good on the two point decisions. Uh, once in a while, he's going to punt on a, on a fourth down that you think he should uh, should should go for. But he he's a read the game kind of guy at, at that point. You know, well, our offense wasn't going very well and our defense was, so we figured we'd pin them back. Uh, you know, instead of strictly going with an analytical decision there. But uh, knows the rule book inside and out. Actually, uh, was part of a rule change where, where he used the Belichick thing against him. Uh, I think it was in a playoff game. Might have been a regular season game where uh, took took consecutive penalties to uh, to, uh, to to favor um, clock management in in a game that infuriated Belichick uh, at a time and prompted a rule change. Uh, was manipulating the rule book in his, in his favor. Um, that's not going to be a problem with uh, uh, if that's been something that that a Ron Rivera issue was was an issue there. I think uh, if Mike Vrabel was the guy, I think people would would feel a sense of relief and confidence knowing that that Vrabel and his right hand man, who would probably come with him, John Stryker, uh, have a, a really good handle on. 
you brought up Bill Belichick. As you know, there was a lot of talk that Mike Vrabel off being fired by the Titans would end up as the Patriots next head coach. Uh, That obviously did not happen. Uh, The Pats last Friday named another former Pats linebacker, Gerard Mayo, not Mike Vrabel, (laughs) as head coach. Any surprise that Vrabel was not the Bill Belichick successor as Pats head coach? Well, uh, uh, only because there's so much uh, noise created about it from November on after he was up there for, uh, you know, his Ring of Honor moment or his Patriots Hall of Fame moment. Um, You know, the Patriots clearly liked that noise, despite the fact that that everything was aligned for Gerard Mayo in in a way that wasn't uh, entirely made clear or entirely reported out. Um, I, I'm sure he would have liked that that job. Um, he's the kind of guy that wouldn't have minded being the guy to replace the guy, um, which is one of the reasons uh, one of the reasons you like Mike Vrabel a, as a head coach. He's not without his faults by any means. Um, he's too stubborn on, on a lot of things and the like. But again, uh, I, I think he's going to have success in the second go around. And I wrote, you know, the Titans are in disarray here. Um, and I think the majority of Titans fans, though they're surprised that nothing's happened for Rabel yet or that we haven't heard his name yet, um, are more likely to bet on, on what Rabel does next than on what the Titans do next. Though, you know, the Titans have a list of 10 and they're being active right now and Mike Rabel isn't. So maybe that's fading a little bit. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, his rebirth with the Titans really was something. Uh, Tannehill over the 2019 and 2020 regular seasons had 55 touchdown passes versus just 13 interceptions. He finished each of those regular seasons in the top 10 of all qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR. How much credit does Mike Rabel get for the uh, renaissance of Ryan Tannehill? Well, Tannehill had talent, you know, and uh, I think that nationally Tannehill to me got knocked unfairly for the two and a half years after he took over from Marcus Mariota when the Titans were at the height of the Derrick Henry play action offense uh, he was really good he's the second best quarterback in Titans era behind Steve McNair Um, and there were like 12 quarterbacks between them with you know not very much success there. You know, a good year of Vince Young um, and, you know, some splashes of Marcus Mariota. But um, Tannehill seemed to get bashed for his limitations instead of praised for the shape of the offense that kind of minimized his limitations, which is what a good coaching staff is supposed to do, kind of build an offense around a guy. thing is that you know, the year the Titans had the number one seed, hosted a divisional playoff game against Cincinnati, Tannehill was terrible. He, he threw three interceptions and they lost, despite the fact that they sacked the Bengals nine times, sacked Joe Burrow nine times. And he was never the same after that. The team was never the same after that. And the talent started to go south after that. And so it's very neat and easy to kind of package his career into before that and after that. And after that, it wasn't very good. And so kind of in the Titans era, people look at that as like a, the biggest blown opportunity. Um, and it's hard not to, to feel 
kind of a gut punch from that because they would have only had to win one more home game, an AFC championship game at home to go to the Super Bowl. Um, and they weren't the greatest team, but they were well situated, obviously, and had played well. And going into that game, all the uh, analytics people were talking about how they were, you know, the least qualified number one seed <laughs> ever. And then losing that game, you know, served to prove all those people right. One more while I have you. It was this past February that Chris Harris, who had been Washington's defensive backs coach since January 2020, left for the Titans to become their defensive pass game coordinator and cornerbacks coach. The commander's secondary (laughs) this season was horrible. Hard to say if the Chris Harris departure was a causation or correlation in regards to the commander's secondary this season being so bad, but his departure certainly did not help. I'm curious, how did things go with him and the Titans this season? Well, he did not make enough guys better, but again, you know, it's a the scale of judging Titans coaches comes down to me to judging the talent they had to work with. So Roger McCreary was in his second year, a second round draft pick. They moved strictly to nickel and he got a lot better. uh, I think, Uh, you know, he had gotten called for a lot of penalties last year for being too handsy and for not finding the ball on a regular basis. And I thought under Chris Harris, Roger McCreary got a lot better at those things, and uh, I thought he was a a pretty reliable, steady nickel in a secondary without a great deal of talent. But Christian Fulton, a second-round pick who was in his contract year, had some atrocious, atrocious games, um, settled down, then wound up with another hamstring injury, hurt and out. Um uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, who they signed from Tampa Bay, repeatedly just too handsy and getting penalty calls and getting beat, you know, who they were counting on as being a number two corner. And then, you know, the guys they had after that were just scrappy guys who aren't equipped to 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 play the snaps that they were asked to play. So I think it's kind of an incomplete on, on Chris Harris. Um you know, I could see why he's looked at favorably, um, but you know, he didn't didn't deliver the kind of grand and immediate results that a lot of us expected based on on the resume. Um, and so you, you you know, I I say well, he didn't have a heck of a lot to work with, but what he had to work with, he didn't do wonders with either. Uh, outside of that, the one guy that I saw real tangible results with. So I'm curious to see what's next for Chris Harris. Uh, The Titans are giving permission for, for people to talk uh, elsewhere. I don't know that Harris is one of those guys that's been requested yet. A lot of other guys have. Um, And the guys who are left when the new coach is hired, uh, the new coach will, will be able to interview if he wants. Great insight on Mike Vrabel and more from longtime Titans insider, Paul Kaharski, of paulkaharski.com. Paul, thank you, and have a great weekend. Good to be with you. Thanks a lot. All right, so the NFL's Divisional Round Weekend is upon us, and I have a parlay for you, courtesy of Crab Sports, which is Maryland's number one sports book. You can visit crabsports.com or download the new Crab Sports app, 
which is available in both the App Store and Google Play. Uh, Crap Sports is the only sports book that offers special boosts and parlays on all DMV area teams. If you follow Washington, D.C. area sports, Crab Sports is tremendous. And know this, Crab Sports is offering a $500 first bet insurance promo for new customers. Place your first bet of up to $500, and if it loses, Crab Sports will pay you back in a free bet. So you have a second chance to win, a second chance to make money. Join Crab Sports now with the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI. So crabsports.com or the Crab Sports app, promo code GALDI. Uh, my divisional round parlay consists of three over-unders, we have the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens Saturday afternoon at 4.30, over under per Crab Sports, 43 and a half. I am going under. The Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers Saturday night at 8.15, over under per Crab Sports, 50 and a half. I'm going over. And the Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills Sunday evening at 6.30, over under per Crab Sports, 45 and a half. I'm going over. Crab Sports is offering boosted odds on that parlay from plus 575 to plus 650. Take advantage of this. Join Crab Sports now with the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI. Go to crabsports.com or download the Crab Sports app and use that promo code GALDI. Crab Sports is outstanding, and Crab Sports wants to remind you to please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 years of age or older. Well, the Capitals all of a sudden are fourth in the eight-team Metropolitan Division. Uh, the Caps on Thursday night played the first of two consecutive games against the St. Louis Blues, and the Caps won a 5-2 win over the Blues at Capital One Arena. Uh, it was the Caps' fourth win in six games. The Caps for this NHL regular season now are 22-15-6. and six. Uh, Back for the Caps was the grade eight, Alex Ovechkin. He returned from a three-game absence caused by a lower body injury. He had a primary assist and was number two on the Caps with six total shot attempts. But Ovechkin, very interestingly, served as the Caps' second line left wing as opposed to his usual spot of being the top line left wing. Uh, we've talked about Alex Ovechkin not having a good season in terms of scoring goals, although his process stats are pretty good. But yeah, Ovi on Thursday night was the Caps' second line left wing. Uh, we're not used to that. Uh, the Caps for this game were without defenseman Joel Edmondson due to an upper body injury and were without winger Beck Malenstein due to a personal reason. In addition to remaining without defenseman Rasmus Sandin and winger Sonny Milano, both of whom are on the injured reserve list. But the story of this game was T.J. Oshie, the man known as Captain America. Uh, T.J. Oshie was on the injured reserve list from December 19th to January 11th due to a lower body injury, but he has been great since coming back, and he on Thursday night had a hat trick. 
Uh, Oshie registered the sixth regular season hat trick of his NHL career. He also had a hat trick in the 2016 Stanley Cup playoffs for the Cavs. Uh, and he registered this hat trick against the Blues, who drafted him. They took Oshie with the number 24 overall pick in the 2005 NHL draft. And Oshie notched this hat trick at a game for which the promotion <laughs> included the Caps giving out hats. Uh, the promotion was Country Music Night, which included the Caps giving out Capitals-branded cowboy hats. <laughs> and Oshie's personal song for when he scores a goal is Country Roads by John Denver. So on Country Music Night, we had a whole lot of Country Roads playing at Capital Win Arena. You would have been hard-pressed to have scripted this any better. Uh, Oshie scored a power play goal 10-24 into the first period. He scored a power play goal 10-27 into the second period. The Caps went 2-4 on the power play. And Oshie scored an even-strength empty net goal 19-40 into the third period. Oshie also had a game-high tying five shots on goal and a game-high nine total shot attempts, and he had two blocked shots. TJ Oshie, since coming back from that lower body injury, has five goals and an assist over five games. Here was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Thursday night on TJ Oshie, and then we'll fast forward to an exchange regarding Oshie from later in the press conference. Yeah, I was saying it this morning, um, well, ha just happy for him against his former team. Um, has played, and I know, sort of reflecting the beginning of the year with him not scoring and the, and the point production not there, but it always, it never changed um, what he brought from a competitiveness standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a bench demeanor standpoint. And so it's just uh, him coming back into the lineup. He's done all of that stuff. His play is, is um, been outstanding. And then for him to get rewarded offensively, it's been great. And tonight for him to get a hat trick against his former team, lead the charge. I'm just really proud of him and happy for him that um, he gets rewarded tonight. This going back to Oshi for a second, this is this is a stretch we haven't seen from him in a couple of years in terms of point production. What gives you the confidence in the details that he's shown in his game that he can continue this kind of play and, and, and be this kind of impactful player down the stretch? I don't even put any weight on the points, to be honest with you. Like, I, I, I love that he's getting them. I want him to continue to do that. But I, I focus on um, process stuff with him and, and number one being the leadership and that stuff that I've um, talked a bunch about. But, but about his, t his touches and, and touches, being able to win pucks on the forecheck, puck recovery, net front stuff that he... There's not a lot of coaching that you need to talk to TJ Oshie about. He, he's usually in those spots nine times out of ten and doing those little things right. So it, it's just a matter of putting him in the right situations, having his line help him and, and being having that sort of combination work from a centerman and a left-winger standpoint. And, and he's a good hockey player, a really, really quality hockey player that even as he's gotten older, um, knows the things that you need to do to be successful offensively. He, he knows where to go. He knows what puck battle I need to win. He knows the positioning um, of someone has to be at the net. Okay, that's me. No problem. I'm going to. So, all the, the little things, there's not a lot that I need to tell him other than putting him in those spots to, 
to have success and set him up for, for those offensive opportunities that he gets. Yeah, this is TJ Oshie's age 37 season, and the guy put up a hat trick on Thursday night. Also scoring a goal for the Caps on Thursday night was top-line center Dylan Strom. Uh, he scored an even-strength goal 34 seconds into the third period for his team-leading 16th goal of this regular season. Anstrom had a primary assist. Charlie Lindgren was the cap starting goaltender for the third time in four games. He stopped 18 of the 20 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Lindgren, per natural stat trick, gave up a goal on a high-danger shot on goal and on a low-danger shot on goal. This was a low-volume game in terms of shots. The Caps had 26 shots on goal to the Blues, 20. The Caps, per natural stat trick, had 34 five-on-five shot attempts to the Blues, 29. Uh, But Lindgren was good, and the Caps' penalty kill was good. Five of five. Next up for the Caps, a game at the Blues, Saturday night, at eight. Well, we now are inside of three weeks until the 2024 NBA trade deadline, which is on Thursday, February 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Our tanking wizards uh, could be very active prior to that deadline. Heck, we saw make a trade this past Sunday afternoon, uh, and the Wizards on Thursday night got some return on that trade. Uh, now, they did lose a 113-109 loss at the New York Knicks, dropping the Wizards to 7-33 and in this NBA regular season, tied with the San Antonio Spurs for the second-worst record in the NBA. Uh, the Wizards overcame a 10-point first-quarter deficit, but trailed for the entire fourth quarter, during which they allowed the Knicks to score for 40 points. Uh, but Marvin Bagley third was very good in his Wizards debut. Uh, Daniel Gafford did not play due to a concussion that he suffered in the Wizards' previous game, the 129-117 loss to the NBA worst <laughs> Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena this past Monday afternoon. And so starting for the Wizards in his debut with the team was 6'10", Marvin Bagley third, who the Wizards acquired along with 6'6", Isaiah Livers in a trade with the Pistons this past Sunday afternoon. And Bagley, on Thursday night was good. Uh, He in 39 minutes, 8 seconds as a starter, went 10 of 16 from the field, all twos. He finished with 20 points, 11 rebounds, including six offensive boards, three blocks, two steals, and two assists. He did commit three turnovers, but he was the only Wizard starter with a positive plus-minus rating for the game. He was a plus two. Uh, this was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his post-game press conference on Thursday night on Marvin Bagley III. Uh, yeah, it was a, uh, a very long-winded conversation that we had about you know how we would start, but it just made sense, you know, um, size differential, you know, it, um, he showed us in limited time, you know, practice and a half that uh, he could pick things up, and that's a heck of a start for him. You know, um, but he had a well-balanced game offensively, defensively. Um, you know, even things that happened on the fly. I thought the group in general helped talk him through situations to keep him organized. So that's uh, that's growth for us. 
Also doing well for the Wizards on Thursday night was a potential trade chip in point guard Tyus Jones, uh, who is on an expiring contract. Uh, Tyus Jones, in 36 minutes, 50 seconds as a starter, had 15 assists versus one turnover. Uh, and he had three steals, and he had four rebounds. He did go 0-3 on threes and just 1-3 on twos. And did score just two points, but Tyus Jones in this regular season now has 233 assists versus just 34 turnovers. Uh, that works out to an assist-to-turnover ratio of 6.85, uh, which is great. Uh, but like I said, <laughs> the Wizards did lose this game. Uh, they got shredded by Knicks point guard Jalen Brunson, who in 40 minutes, 21 seconds as a starter scored 41 points. He went 2 of 4 on threes, 12 of 23 on twos, and 11 of 13 on free throws. Also had eight assists, eight rebounds, and two steals. Did commit six turnovers, but Brunson scored 20 of his 41 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, also, the Wizards went just 10 of 31 on threes. Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole went a combined 3 of 14 on threes. Next up for the Wizards are two games this weekend, home to the Western Conference worst San Antonio Spurs Saturday night at 7, and home to the reigning NBA champion Denver Nuggets Sunday evening at 6. Well, also on Sunday evening is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills at 6.30 in the final of four games in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. A rematch of the epic divisional round game from two years ago, January 23rd, 2022, the Chiefs 42-36 overtime win over the Bills. Underdog Fantasy offers daily pick'em games that are super easy and fun. Just correctly pick whether certain players in each game will go higher or lower given totals and you win. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI and who make a first deposit of at least $10. I have two plays for Chiefs Bills. So the game from two postseasons ago was an all-time great quarterback duel between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. The game was like a video game. The game was the first NFL postseason game ever in which two quarterbacks each threw for at least 300 yards, each had at least three touchdown passes, and each threw no interceptions. The game was the first NFL postseason game ever, in which two quarterbacks each had completion percentages of at least 70 on a minimum of 35 pass attempts each. And so we gotta make some quarterback plays here. Uh, the higher-lower total for completions for Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes is 24 and a half. I will go higher on that. And the higher lower total for passing yards for Bills quarterback Josh Allen is just 232.5. I will go higher on that. So Patrick Mahomes higher than 24 and a half completions and Josh Allen higher than 232 and a half passing yards. And all of this is through Underdog Fantasy. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and take advantage of the great offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. A deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI and to make a first deposit of at least $10.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 745. We'll have a lot for you on the commanders. We shall see where things stand in the head coaching search. Also on Monday show, I'll talk Capitals, Wizards, and college basketball. The Caps have one game this weekend. They are at the St. Louis Blues Saturday night at 8. The Wizards have two games this weekend, home to the Western Conference World. San Antonio Spurs Saturday night at 7 at home to the reigning NBA champion Denver Nuggets Sunday evening at 6. And college basketball this weekend. Maryland is home to Michigan State Sunday at noon. Georgetown is at Xavier Friday evening at 6.30. Virginia is at Georgia Tech Saturday evening at 6. And Virginia Tech is at NC State Saturday at noon. Have a great weekend and I'll talk to you on Monday. I, I know him just just very briefly. Uh, I've heard nothing but fantastic things about people that have worked with him directly or have, have met him uh, over the course of scouting on the road. So um, look forward to, to meeting him and, and talking more.